0: get along. Was there ever a more diplomatic statement than that? That was, that was beautiful. Me in the kitchen don't always get along, but thankfully uh, other people do. Hey, uh, I just want to say once again welcome, and I want to welcome everybody down at Mullaloo right now, uh, everybody watching online. This is a, a great uh, day. I'm so excited today as a church, because we got with us a, a special guest, Dr. Rob Reamer. And uh, we've been trying to line this up for a while, and I'm so excited for you to get to hear uh, from Rob. Uh, Rob, many of you know him uh, from some of his books, uh, Soul Care. Many of you uh, have read and familiar with Soul Care, but uh, can I tell you, every one of his books, stick it on your, your recommended reading list, River Dwellers, Pathways to the King. I know uh, a number of others, they keep on coming, but just uh, everything he's got. Now, Rob is a professor at Alliance Theological and Seminary. I first met Rob, he was just starting in some of that back in, it would have been about 2003. So I've literally known this guy, and this is the biggest reason why I'm excited to introduce him to you today, wherever you are. I've known this guy since, for almost 20 years, and what I can tell you is uh, there are things that he said in 2003 that ring in my head today. Uh, there are just phrases. He has a way of speaking, but he doesn't just speak. He is one of those people who, because of how he presses into the presence of God, uh, he, it's almost like he opens up the door for people behind him to do the same. Uh, you know, in the doctoral program, many of you know I did a few years back. Uh, two, it's getting faster and faster, more years, that's a shame. But uh, probably seven years ago, it feels like it should have been about two. I'm not sure how that happened. But he was one of our professors in that. And, and this guy has been a part of some of the most profound moments I know in my life. Uh, In my faith, uh, there's a handful of people I'd say have shaped me in ministry and so I'm so excited for our church to get to hear from one of the most uh, special to me. And so it's so special to have him. This guy is at the end of a four-week trip. So here's what we're going to do, everybody, everywhere across True North right now. I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. Let him know you're ready. Everybody standing up. And can you give this guy a big hand. Let him know you're excited for what he's going to do. Bring and say today.
1: Oh, thank you. Much appreciated. I said this morning, please sit. I said this morning I woke up, Dean said to me, how do you feel? I said, I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck. I'm okay now. Listen, someday when I grow up, I'd like to have a cool pastor like Dean. I'd like to be a cool pastor like Dean, like the hair. You know, I have to say, I went to my kids one day, and I said, I'm thinking about doing a man bun, and three out of four voted me down, and my (laughs) wife booed and hissed me, so (laughs) anyways, but I'm envious, so I'm just letting you know. All right, so listen, I travel around the world. Um, I've written some books, which uh, some of you, how many of you read Soul Care? Just uh, throw up your hands so I have a, a feel. The rest of you, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've traveled around the world and spoken literally on every continent and on the planet, except for Antarctica, that's because it's too cold. I hate cold weather. So, And um, let me make the biggest observation about the church these days that I could make. We are making it too much about us. Uh, it's just simply too much about us. It's too much about our wants, our needs, our thoughts, our opinions, our programs, our resources, our capabilities, our abilities. We are making it way too much about us. And I just, I just want to remind you, I'm only here with you for one day, but I just want to remind you, the whole thing's all about Jesus. We've got to quit making it all about us. We need to make it about Jesus again. I grew up in the church. The church was making it too much about us back then, too. But I want to tell you, it's a long line of making it too much about us. Because if you remember, the number one argument the disciples had was, who was the greatest? Come on. They were making it too much about them, too, right? And I grew up in a church where, you know, I never saw much happen. I never saw the stuff that I read about in the Bible happening in the church that I was in. Well, when I was 19 years old, well, when I was 17 years old, church became interesting to me. That's because I started dating a girl from church. <laughs> church still wasn't interesting, but she was interesting. So, And then uh, at 19, she broke up with me, and um, I drove away from her house, and I cried out to Jesus, and he met me supernaturally. Dramatically and radically changed my life. I experienced the love of God. In such a deep and profound way, completely shaped me. I surrendered my life that day to Jesus. I've never turned around, never looked back, and never had regret. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, life works so much better when Jesus is at the center, not at the edges. When Jesus is at the edge of your life, you're always missing out on freedom and fullness and abundance. But when Jesus gets to the center, you discover all he is. And so this morning, I want to talk about Jesus and his message, and I just want to go back to the basics. Uh, That's kind of one of my main themes in life, and i got to tell you, wherever I go, I just want to make it about Jesus. So turn with me, if you want, in your Bibles, or you can look on the screen. I think these guys will throw it on the screen for you. I want to look at Matthew chapter 4. This is kind of the beginning and the Gospels of Jesus' ministry, and This is what Matthew says. It's kind of the first summary statement of what Jesus was all about. So pick up verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's the gospel. But, you know, too often we truncate it. And what the authentic message of the gospel is, is the good news of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And then notice the results, healing every disease and illness among the people. News about Him spread all over Syria, and people brought to Him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demonized, uh, translation here, demon-possessed, terrible translation, ought to be demonized, those afflicted with demons, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and He healed them. The central message of Jesus is all about the kingdom of God, or in Matthew's version, he usually calls it the kingdom of heaven. That's the message of Jesus. It's the good news of the kingdom. So really, if we're going to understand Jesus, we got to start with that. We need to ask ourselves, what is the kingdom of God? Because everywhere he goes, that's what he preaches. It's the opening line that he preaches. When you get to the end of his ministry, book of Acts, you know, he's with the disciples 40 days, 40 nights. And Acts 1 says he talked to them for 40 days and 40 nights about the kingdom of God. You get to Matthew 13. He tells seven parables in a row. Every one of them starts with this phrase. The kingdom of heaven is like. This is what he talks about. This is what he came to to do, bring about the kingdom. So what is the kingdom of God? Let me sum it up for you in two sentences. You ready? The kingdom of God is the reversal of everything that went wrong with the world when sin entered the world. I'll give it to you in a positive sentence, and then I'll just kind of illustrate it. The kingdom of God is the restoration of the way things were supposed to be before sin entered the world. So think about it, when Jesus comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he offers people forgiveness and reconciliation with God. Why? Because when sin entered the world, there was a break in our relationship with God. There was separation in our relationship with God. There was guilt, shame, condemnation. So Jesus comes to bring restoration, reconciliation between you and the Father and to erase the stains of sin on our soul. This is part of the gospel of the kingdom, but it doesn't stop there. Jesus didn't just come to deal with the issues of sin and guilt in your soul. He came to deal with the implications of sin in your life, which includes sickness. This is why every time Jesus comes and preaches the gospel of the kingdom, he heals the sick. Why? Because before sin entered the world, there was no sickness. When you get to heaven, there will be no sickness. So when the gospel of the kingdom is preached and Jesus shows up in his power, healings occur. And this is all throughout the gospels. He heals the sick. This is part of the message of the gospel of the kingdom. And I just want to throw you a phrase today that I want you to contemplate, okay? Too often in the church, the message we preach is, you know, we read this stuff in the Gospels about Jesus healing. For example, we go, you know, this is who Jesus was, and this is what Jesus did. But if my Bible is true and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then that's not the message. The message is this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus does. Let me help you think about the kingdom really simply. Ready? Here it is. In a nutshell, when Jesus shows up, the kingdom comes. When you show up, nothing happens. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do. When we're making it too much about us, we see a lot of church happening. And when we make it about Jesus, we see the kingdom happening. When the kingdom isn't happening, it's because we're making it too much about us. Because Jesus hasn't changed. Are you tracking with me? You'll also notice everywhere Jesus goes, he casts out demons. Why? Because there was no demonized people before sin. There will be no demonized people when we get to heaven. So wherever Jesus goes, he heals the sick, casts out demons. This is part of the message of the kingdom. And what I want to do is just spend a little bit of time thinking about this stuff. So let's think about Jesus and the kingdom for the rest of the morning. First, The kingdom of God always involves forgiveness and life change, wholeness and freedom in Christ. When Jesus comes, people start to get well. Emotionally, spiritually, there's freedom, there's fullness, there's wholeness in the soul. And it begins to spill over into relationships. Listen, you know, I went to church my whole life, And most of the time, if I'm really honest, church taught me what to do and what not to do. They taught me how to behave. But they didn't actually teach me me how to do deep life change. Jen and I planted a church in the Boston area, my wife and I. And, you know, within a couple of years, church was really growing. Lots of people coming to faith. Uh, There were hundreds of people there that had gathered. And we got to a place where my wife didn't like me anymore. And, you know, and I probably too atypical. When someone starts, you're in a relationship with a spouse and they start to dislike you, we pray that they will change, right? You know, like God fix them, heal them, deliver them. They're clearly the problem, right? And I prayed that way for a while, and then finally it occurred to me that it takes two healthy people to have a healthy relationship. If on a scale of one to ten, you're a three, the healthiest relationship you will ever have is a three. It ain't rocket science. You wanna move from a three to a five, there's one and only one pathway to get there, you must change. Because if you do what you've always done, you will get what you've always got. Too many of us are focused on other people. You can never fix a relational problem by focusing on someone else's issues. The only shot you have of elevating the status of a relational health is to become a healthier you. Then you can elevate the water level. When that finally occurred to me, I went, dear God, I gotta change. And then I thought to myself, I have no idea how to change. Church didn't teach me how to change. They taught me how to behave. And I'm doing the stuff they told me to do. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. Heck, I was praying more than I had ever prayed because I was desperate. And I finally went to Jesus one day, and I'm like, I don't know how to change. I need you to lead me through the life change journey so that I can elevate my own health level and begin to change the relationship. It was in that process that God began to teach me about soul care, the principles of soul care. I'll tell you a funny story. In the middle of it one day, the Lord said to me, I want you to give me thanks for this marriage crisis. I said to the Lord, I'm still grateful for lots of stuff, but i got to tell you, this ain't on my list. To which the Lord said to me, one day you're going to give me more thanks for this than almost anything that's ever come into your life. But today I want you to give me thanks in faith for that which I'm about to do. And so I said to the Lord, all right, well, I'll do it. And I started giving God thanks, you know, and then he started teaching me things about how to become a healthier person. And then when I got out the other side of that stuff, I wrote a book out of it called Soul Care. It has sold almost 100,000 copies. has literally helped hundreds of thousands of people around the world as I've gone and done soul care co- courses and classes and, you know, doctoral programs and conferences around the planet. And, you know, Jen and I, we've been married 32 and a half years, and we're in our best season in life together. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you keep growing healthier, you keep getting better together, you know. And um, these are the good days, and we're grateful. But hear me, I wouldn't have got there without understanding how to meet Jesus in a way that he could create wholeness. Religion doesn't make you whole. Jesus makes you whole. You need to bring your broken spaces and places to Jesus so that you can become whole. Please hear me. If you're in unhealthy relational spaces, you need Jesus to be able to help make you healthier so you can have healthier places in your relationship. And that's what I discovered. And so, you know what? Hear me for a second. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? This is who Jesus is. This is still what Jesus does. He still heals broken hearts. He still restores broken relationships. He still creates wholeness in broken people. There's hope no matter where you are because Jesus is still who he always has been. Second, you know, when I think about the kingdom of God and Jesus, I think about healing, right? Because the kingdom of God involves healing. Body and soul, there's healing that takes place. Matthew chapter 23, look at this again. Uh, just look at some of the phrases that he uses here. Jesus went proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering pain, the demonized, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Early on in my ministry, you know, I decided, I I was reading the the Bible, and I thought to myself, you know, I I think Jesus is still this guy. I don't think he's changed. But i got to tell you, I grew up in a church where healing Never happened. We had theology that Jesus healed, but I never saw anyone healed growing up in the church, right? And one day I'm a pastor and I decide we've got to move beyond good thinking about Jesus and we need Jesus to show up in our services so sick people get healed and the kingdom comes. So I feel like the Lord one day is telling me, I want you to preach on healing in faith. And I said to the Lord, well, you know, I'll do that. Just for the record, Lord, I've never seen anyone healed. And he's like, don't worry. I said, okay. So I get up. I'm working on a talk. I work on a talk on healing straight from James 5, right? You know, the prayer of faith, make the sick person well, that passage, right? So Sunday morning rolls around. I've developed the talk. I'm ready to go. I'm sitting with the Lord Sunday morning, and I said to the Lord, is there anything you want me to change in this talk before I give this talk this morning? And I hear Jesus, and this is what he says to me. He said, I want you to give the talk exactly like you've given it, Only at the very end, I just want you to add one sentence. Jesus led me to give this talk today because he's going to heal many people. I said, that's a big sentence. I said, no offense, Lord, but if I say that and no one gets healed, you get off scot-free. I'm the guy that looks like an idiot. And I said, can you confirm that's really you and not my desires? Nothing from Jesus. I go to church, you know, and on Sunday morning, I had a lot of people in my church that said, really, I'd trained and they had learned how to hear God's voice, you know, and, and I'm praying, Lord, just give somebody a word for me today that confirms this is you, right? And I'm sitting on the front row and everybody's getting into worship like you just were, you know, they're raising their hands and doing yabba doos and everything, and I'm sitting on the front row and I'm in agony. I'm like, oh, God, please, please, Give one of these spiritual people a word that confirms that's you. Nobody's sensitive to the spirit. Why? They're making it too much about them. That's why. And notice, so was I, right? A lot of times we won't release what God gives us because we're making it too much about us. We're too afraid. What if we look bad? So I finally stood up and, you know, I gave the talk. I get to the end. Now it's crunch time. And... Uh, I decided to go for it. I'm not going to make it too much about me. I'm going to take a risk. And I just said to the people, I said, You know, I was praying this morning about this talk, and I sensed the Holy Spirit say the reason why He wanted me to give this talk is going to heal a bunch of people today. As soon as I said it, I'm telling you, faith landed in the room. There was a woman who had, oh, I think, six or nine months worth of uh, lactose intolerance, and anytime she got any milk products, she would throw up, and it was super, super strong, and she felt electricity, she said, like entered her shoulder, shot through her body, and instantly she knew she was healed. She went home and ate a half-gallon ice cream. I don't recommend that. (laughs) But she was so excited, she ate the whole thing. She never got sick again, totally healed her. We had a guy that morning. He had been scheduled that Tuesday for back surgery. Somebody prayed for him. Wasn't me. Somebody, one of our people in the church prayed for him. The spirit came. Jesus showed up. The kingdom came. Guy felt heat in his back. Back pain went away. He was on really heavy medications trying to, you know, just keep his pain from being too much and went home threw away his drugs, never had back surgery. Guy ended up dying later on. He was an elderly man, and he ended up dying later on, but he never needed the back surgery. He was totally healed. We had 13 people healed that morning. Imagine if I didn't have the courage to speak into the atmosphere what Jesus was up to. This is what happens when we make it too much about us. Please hear me for a second. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means this is who he is, and this is what Jesus does. You know, last week I was in Sydney. I was praying for a guy. He was a pastor with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is my tribe growing up. You know, I was praying for a man. He was just desperate for more of God. He was asking me to pray for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I started praying for him. The Holy Spirit came upon him in such a strong and powerful way. You know, that's one of the things Jesus says he does. He pours out his Holy Spirit. And he just had the love of God just soaking his soul. It was so powerful. But what he didn't know was he actually also had a physical problem. We weren't praying about his physical problem. But, you know, afterwards he said to me, my shoulder got healed. We weren't even praying for his shoulder, right? But, you know, Jesus is so good that when he shows up, he does stuff you didn't even ask for. I love that about Jesus, you know. I was in Brazil one day. I was praying for a lady. She had a tumor that came out on her neck beyond her chin. And literally my entire prayer for her was this. This is all I prayed. Go in Jesus' name. And the tumor disappeared under my hand. You know what? You watch stuff like that happen and you go, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus is. Does Listen, you come in here today with your needs, I want you to know you have a God who cares and has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And finally, last thought, you know, the third thing that I want to mention about the kingdom. The kingdom of God always involves deliverance. And setting the captives free. True life change and being freed from Satan's snares and bondage. This is what Jesus did. Matter of fact, in 1 John chapter 3, the Apostle John says, Jesus came to destroy the devil's works. And this is who he is. This is still what he does. There's a lot of times where we've given the enemy of our soul access and then we end up in bondage in some area of our lives. And we can't get out. The only shot we have at freedom is if Jesus shows up, and we need to go after Jesus in order to find freedom. Listen, I recognize that for many of us in the Western worldview, we're not used to the conversation around demons and spiritual entities like fallen angels and all this kind of stuff. However, you know, I I read a lot of commentators and Bible commentaries and things like that. A lot of these guys, very educated people, right? You know, Oxford degrees and Harvard degrees and all these big schools and so on. And they write things in these Bible commentaries like, you know, In the first century they didn't really understand about psychological troubles and there weren't really demons and jesus was just curing people's psychological ailments and i'm just going to pause and just say if our education gets so high that we think we understand more than jesus understands i'm pretty sure we've educated ourselves into arrogance and out of kingdom activity can i just say jesus wasn't a country bumpkin who couldn't discern the difference between a psychological problem and a demonic problem The reason why Jesus did deliverance ministries, friends, is because demons are real. They're part of the world. And there are people who have issues of bondage they can't get out of unless Jesus does deliverance. There's no other way out. And I can tell you, you know, I've seen thousands and thousands of people find freedom from stuff they never could have found freedom from unless Jesus showed up and set them free. I was in Bakersfield, California earlier this year in April or May. I can't remember which month, but... I had been there pre-COVID, so I was there in 2019. I was sitting down in the front row before the conference started getting ready to speak, and a woman came over. I guess she was probably late 60s. She came over and sat down next to me. Tears started coming down her cheeks, and she said to me, I know these stories must get old for you. And I reached over and took her by the hand, and I said, oh, they never get old. I said, go ahead, tell me the story. She said, well, you know, you came in 2019. She said, I have struggled with suicidal thoughts my entire life. She said, I was always terrified to drive over a bridge because I've never ever in my life driven over a bridge without thinking I should drive off the edge of the bridge. And she said, in 2019, when you came, you did my deliverance. And she said, it has been three years, and I have not had a single solitary suicidal thoughts since the day you've done my deliverance. And tears just streaming down her face. Her husband came up to me because he saw her sitting there. He comes up to me afterwards. Now tears streaming down his face. He said to me, I know my wife talked to you. He said, but he said, you didn't just change her life. He said, that encounter she had with you and Jesus changed all of our family. Yeah, that's because this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does. He hasn't changed this week I'm in Perth, I had a woman come up to me before the conference started, and she says to me, you know, you were here, and I can't remember if she said 2017 or 2019, I don't remember which year I was there for her, her, the, uh, the, her conference experience. But she said, you came. She said, I got deliverance. And she said, do you know, the previous 13 years, she said, I had struggled with anxiety and panic attacks every single day. And after that deliverance, I have not had any anxiety or any panic attacks in the last, you know, whatever many long it's been, three, five years, whichever one it was that she came. And That's who Jesus is. Hear me for a second. You know, there's broken places in your soul that Jesus can heal. Some of you, there's demonic stuff that you're, you're in stronghold to. Jesus hasn't changed. He still sets the captives free. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does. Let me end with a, you know, sort of an implication of all of this for us. I said to you early on, it's not complicated, but when Jesus shows up, the kingdom comes. And the key for us, really, is so often we are, as I said at the beginning, making it too much about us. You know, too often we're praying and focused on ourselves. I'll tell you a story, and a story about a friend of ours. And some of you, of course, have met him because I know he's been here before. But uh, I was in a class one day with my friend Martin Sanders, and uh, I think Martin's been here a bunch, right, Dean? Yeah, and so many of you have met Martin. And um, we had we were teaching an ATS a seminary class together where Dean went, and. Um, It was the last day of class and we were doing a ministry time, probably had like 100 people in the class. We brought in a bunch of people to do ministry and it was, you know, one of the people that came to do ministry with us, a lot of pastors locally and some lay people. But Diana, Martin's wife, was obviously back when she was still alive, was there. And, you know, we release people to pray. We just ask anybody that wants prayer, please stand. And everybody stood up across the room. And then we said, you know, anybody um, who's here on the ministry team can be released and go pray for people. And so they started going. And I get a prompting from the Holy Spirit to go pray for Diana. She was sitting in the back of the room. She hadn't gotten up yet to pray for anybody. I wandered into the back of the room, and I just laid my hand on her. Never said anything. Just lingered with her. And then... I wandered off and prayed for other people. Three days later, Martin called me on the phone. He said to me, uh, hey, bud, uh, you prayed for Diana on Saturday. I said, I did. He said, what did you pray for? I said, nothing. He goes, well, I know you didn't say anything because she said that, but I mean, what were you praying for? I said, nothing. He goes, you can't pray nothing. (laughs) I said, Martin, I figured out somehow or another along my journey that my words don't really matter. And I said, I've stopped making it all about me when I pray. Jesus said the pagans pray with all kinds of many words, hoping they can make stuff happen by their prayers, with their words. I said, so a lot of times, quite frankly, when I pray for people now, I said, I don't say anything. All I do is enter Jesus' presence. And I just linger with the person while I'm lingering with Jesus. I said, you know what I've discovered? I said, when Jesus shows up, the kingdom comes. When I show up, nothing happens. I said, why, what happened? He said, man, she had an encounter with the power of God like she has never had before. He said, it was like an electric charge through her body. He said, it was still vibrating with her for two days after. And I'm like, yeah, that's because Jesus showed up. It's not complicated. Let me say it one last time. When Jesus shows up, the kingdom comes. For some of you today, you just need Jesus to show up. And we're going to close today here in this campus and also on the other campus, even if you're online, if you need Jesus to show up, I'm just going to ask you to take a step of faith and just stand where you are right now. You need Jesus for physical healing, just stand up. You need Jesus for emotional healing, just stand up right where you are. You need Jesus to break you free from something. Just stand up in faith. It's not complicated. When Jesus shows up, the kingdom comes. I want you to look to Jesus right now. I don't have any magic. When I pray words, they don't really matter that much. What really matters is Jesus' presence. Let's just look to Jesus together. Lord, we're just going to fix our loving attention on your presence. You have made a statement, Jesus. You said wherever two or three are gathered, you are here. And even right now, you are here. It is only in your presence that healing occurs, freedom, fullness, wholeness, deliverance. It's all about you. So, I just pray, Lord Jesus, your presence would come upon your people. Just like when you walked planet earth and you touched hearts and souls and bodies, the kingdom came. So, now may your presence release the kingdom of God in this place online and the other campus. Just let your kingdom rest here. For some with broken places in their body, I pray right now in Jesus' name, you'd release healing. For some, Lord, may the fire of God just touch that place in their body that needs a touch and just burn away sickness in Jesus' name. For others, Lord, there has been a steady flow of emotional pain. And now I pray for the comforter to bring healing to the soul. Release your presence, your touch on broken hearts, broken spaces in our soul. For others, Lord, we're just in bondage to something. The enemy has got his hooks in us. And I pray in Jesus' name today you would bring freedom, freedom to places where the enemy has enslaved your people. Bring release to your people. We look to you, Jesus, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is who you are. This is what you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, um, we're going to sing a couple of songs to close and. We're going to invite ministry team here in this campus and the other campus also want the ministry team to go up front and along the edges here as well. And um, we're going to invite you if you need a, a, a specific person to come and pray for you. If you would just join and so we'll have people here that can pray for you.